Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast was previously recorded on October 9th, 2014. We record a new lunch with Jim and Aaron every Friday at 1 p.m. Join the discussion in the forums at forums.baldmove.com or on Twitter with hashtag baldlunch. Well, if you're out there, uh, welcome to the first ever Jim and Aaron's uh, lunch with Jim and Aaron, rather. And I'm not really sure how this is going to go. We're doing some experiments with uh, hopefully allowing... Uh, you guys to submit comments and questions that we can respond to in the video. Uh, we also have uh, kind of talking your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> we have our shit together. Uh, hopefully, we'll uh, or we've got, we've got some some discussions. So you know, widen us up and we can go. Uh, I am drinking. I noticed that uh, Jungle Gems is the latest, uh, which is this international bizarre brewery beer shop alcohol deal um as i was walking by they had this new game of thrones uh licensed beer from uh Umgang brewery in cooperstown new york it's valor morgulis it's a double so it's very belgiumy it's eight percent alcohol Ooh, that's interesting it's pretty big too the label's nice it's got the uh the iron coin the Valor Morgulis coin on it. And then when you pop the cork out of it, the cork says uh, Valor Doharis, which I thought was a nice touch. Uh, it's, it's not bad. It's, you know, it's very Belgium-y. Uh, it's got the kind of banana bread thing going. All beer must be drunk. All beer must be drunk. The only thing that's disturbing is it's got a metallic finish. No, it no, kind of tastes you. like the drag. It, it, it kind of tastes like this came off the dregs of a, a keg, keg dregs. Ugh. You know, it's been sitting there. It's got that little metallic taste. Tastes like the Iron Throne. (laughs) You know what? I want. Oh shit! I I wonder if that is actually. Oh no, they did that on purpose. I hate iron in any like. I I hate metallic taste in any of my food or beverages. Yeah, they're not saying anything like that, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did some bullshit where. (laughs) When confronted with the most feared. Saying in high Valerian, take a sip and choose your words wisely, for all men must die and all men must serve. Enjoy rich aromas, caramel, and ripe fruit with deep flavors of malty sweetness and fruit esters. Pour slowly so as not to disturb yeast sediment, but with vigor to make a luxurious head and free the bouquet. The fuck? What the fuck? Free that Pour bouquet, slowly man. but vigorously. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. I know what that means. Yeah. That's uh, uh, I prefer to do most stuff slowly but vigorously. <laughs> yeah, when your lady shouts out in bed, slower, harder, faster, <laughs> slower, softer. It's like, what the fuck do you want from me, beer bottle? <laughs> I just went swung wildly from uh, mm-hmm. from metaphor to metaphor. That's how you do it. Mm. Like Diddy Kong. Mm-hmm. All right. I apologize. We, we will come back stronger with a little bit more stuff figured out. Um, well, let's just, uh, let, let, we just had lunch ourselves. We thought about actually eating on the mics, but I don't know if people be down with the whole uh, noshing and glamming and all That's that crap. Terrible idea. Terrible. Uh, what do we want to talk about today? We got, we got lunch. We got to entertain people. 
I don't know. Didn't you say something about Adam Carolla and his patent troll oh, dilemma? We want to talk about podcasting in general, right? Because we get that's probably the most frequent. We talk thing. about that all the time. Yeah, why not? Frequently, thing we're asked. Uh, what would you tell a person they want to start a podcast? Don't do it. <laughs> Stay out of our territory. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Uh, well, why do you want to start a podcast? First of all, that's a good point. That's the first question you want to ask yourself. Why do we start a podcast? Uh, I started a podcast because I wanted to chronicle my life. Basically, I wanted to take a snapshot of who I was at the time, the kind of things I was into. An audible Tumblr. Yeah. So that in, you know, 30, 40 years, I look back and I see that shit. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. man, how far I've come. That's basically why I started the very first show that I started. Right on. Which was not TV related, obviously. Uh, I started podcasting because at the time, uh, all of us, you know, we had a core group of three friends and you were going to Chicago and I was moving to the east side of Indy and I was deathly afraid that we, you know, because that's the thing. It's like, oh yeah, we'll stay in touch. No one ever stays in touch. No, you know, and, and, and so we you stay in touch on Facebook, like with a message once a month or something. Right, right, right. Like so, I do with my friends in Indy now. <laughs> exactly. So we, what, what we did is, uh, you know, we were talking about that. Oh, I think one day in my living room and we mentioned like, Hey, what if we got gong radio, which was your first network going, yeah, which was a network of one. Yeah. And then we're like, uh, you know, we try to talk about topics and stuff and we decided just to get together at least once a week and talk about things. And that led to Blue Yonder, uh, which eventually led to us doing the TV podcasting and away we go. So mm-hmm. I guess, you know, but everybody, if you're podcasting, you kind of got the desire to at least be heard, right? I think so, yeah. I mean, that's one measure of success. I know that's when I first felt like I was successful when our weekly downloads were bigger than everyone I knew in real life. Like that can't be my family. It can't be my friend circle. It can't be my coworkers. Yeah. Yeah. These must be people. These must be strangers. And we used to even track it on like uh, Google analytics. You could see like, you know, everything was clustered in Indiana and then, yeah. you know, you got your first California and your first New York and that started your kind first of feeling China successful. and Russia. And then you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. But if you, if, if one of your explicit goals is to attract a large audience, what would you say people to do? Uh, well, if you want to attract a really large audience, you have to be in something kind of general, but I would say it's a terrible idea to start in something too general. So find your niche and go from there. So elaborate. What do you mean by find a niche? Are you just saying pick something popular and go start doing it? No, nope. I'm saying find something that you are interested in because if you're not interested in it, you're not going to keep doing it. Right. And that's, I mean, bottom line, if you are not having fun podcasting, especially, you know, when there's no money in it, you're not going to keep doing it. Sure. You're just not. And and same with like, I don't think a one man podcast works very well. It's hard to do and make it entertaining. So your friends are probably going to be involved and they have to be passionate about it too. Yeah. Otherwise it, it becomes a scheduling nightmare and nobody really takes it seriously. And that's what you have to do is you have to take this, you know, have fun, but take the process seriously. Now, interestingly enough, a lot of the people that we know that do podcasting have a very unequal, unequal distribution of the workload. Um, yeah. And I, I think we're almost unique in the fact that we both are uh, 
we're both responsible for generating content. We're both responsible for, you know, maintaining and posting websites and social media. We both engineer the podcast. Uh, I feel like that's the way to go because I hear time and time again, uh, people that are shouldering most of the weight. It's it's very easy to get burnt out. It's very easy for the guys who are just showing up and having fun and that kind of take it not as seriously as the person doing all the work. And that leads to hurt feelings. Yeah, you start to resent the other person. That's that's never good. And that comes through on the mic, too. You can tell. I don't know how you fix that, though, because there's precious few people that want to do a podcast, and the people that are actually qualified to do it and are interested in the technical details are even fewer. So mm-hmm. I know that might be a piece of shit advice. <laughs> find, find your unicorn, your podcast unicorn, <laughs> and make as much hay as you can. No, I mean, really, it's about... I think, you know, setting expectations with your co-hosts. Mm. Like you can't you can't go into it and just say, yeah, let's have let's do this fun thing. And then when it comes around to the Thursday night when you're recording and they're like, I don't really want to do it tonight. You can't yeah. then say, well, you promised to do this. They'd be like, you just told me this was going to be a fun thing we mm. were doing. It's not my fucking job. Get out of here. Uh, yeah. So you need to set the expectation that we're going to do this every week. That's not a bad idea. And I'm not saying like get shit in writing or anything, but I know that's something we did when we were brainstorming. Uh, You know, we, we talked about like, we have to, we have to have a goal. We have to have a schedule Mm -hmm. or else, you know, we can try something else. But I mean, it's like, why would we release it public? We could have a weekly Google hangout where we played magic long distance or whatever. We don't have to fucking record this and make it into a show. That's a bunch of bullshit. No one needs unless you want someone to listen to it. True. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to find a big audience, you got to find your niche and you got to, you got to figure out, you know, why people would listen to you. Cause there are people out there that are marketing experts and there are ways to take a podcast that's in kind of a, mm-hmm. a big ocean of podcasters and rise above them all. Yeah. The 20 something dude talking about pop culture yeah. podcast is everywhere you're never going to break out in that that's how we started and we built a modestly (laughs) sized audience after two and a half years we switched to breaking Mm -hmm. bad which at the time there was only one other podcast and we started broadcasting in season four Mm -hmm. uh we did 10 times the traffic in like the first two weeks yeah we're like whoa this is where we should be now interesting because television podcasting is starting to get crowded there's got to be 20 30 game of thrones podcasts out there now i feel bad for people starting up new ones because they're not going to get the traffic that just was kind of handed to us i think that it's possible because i saw a lot of rookie podcasts this year that really made their mark but they did Mm -hmm. they did it by distinguishing themselves somehow by you know taking a look at the series from a very analytical book perspective really deep delving on theory and, and stuff like that really catering to the book but you have to again now you're looking to find a niche in a niche yeah well i mean that, that is part of the find your niche advice which is you know you have to distinguish yourself you can't just do what everybody else is doing and expect that you're going to get the same results they did uh but if you can look kind of survey the landscape of the niche that you want to be in and say, this is how people are currently covering this stuff. What can I bring to the table? That's different. Sure. Uh, I, I, I think that's a good way to go. Um, let's talk about audio quality because <laughs> okay. I, I feel like, you know, we've gotten this question asked almost every Q and a, every podcast panel. And I always say equipment up like, 
just jump into it, get a good mixer, get two good microphones or how many microphones you need and just start with the good stuff from the beginning. And you're like, eh. yeah, here's the thing. Like I see so many people, like we're in a, a Facebook group for podcasters. And I see so many people like I'm just starting what sure. like, I don't want to spend any money on this, like literally zero. I don't even want to pay to have my files hosted on a fast server. What can I do? And for those people, that's terrible advice. Just equipment up, right? But is it? Because the yeah. thing, my, here's my Especially, theory. And you tell me okay. your theory. My yeah. theory is it is so hard to get noticed that if you finally do get a show, and we flirted with this because I think our 16th show is like a zombie themed um the zombie draft and the content was excellent but our sound quality was bogus yeah and we had a big blitz where we actually put on our marketing hat and we hit all the zombie forums and we got a lot of people to listen to it mm. we didn't retain anything because the feedback we got was you guys sound like you're broadcasting live from satan's asshole we were it's so hard to get that shot when you finally get it if you turn people away because you sound like <laughs> or are you broadcasting from the moon and there's a lot of skype lag yeah it's, it's, it's terrible. So it's like, again, when I see those people on the podcast forum, uh, and they're saying, I refuse to pay mm. for a podcast host. I refuse to pay for a website <laughs> host. I refuse to pay for equipment. Yeah. You're basically saying I'm going to have a substandard product. I agree with you in everything you said, except I think you need to add to that the fact that you are just going to suck at podcasting when you first start. That's a good point. So you don't want to invest a ton of money in something that you are potentially not even going to be doing in two months. Mm. You know, like I, I say to those people, like get a shitty microphone, just scrounge up whatever you can, a, a tin can that plugs into your computer and do the podcast for a few months and just refine your process. Like get better speaking into a mic, get better making outlines and understanding like, how the flow of process or a podcast goes, then you upgrade your equipment. Then you sound good. Then you get your shot. Once your, your content and your quality of audio are both good. So hearing you say that, cause you see, you don't know if you're going to be doing it in two months. One argument would be if you invest 150 bucks into equipment <laughs> okay. and you, you instead a $5 Libsyn account and you invest in, you know, even a three or $4, whatever shared hosting account, that that is going to make you take it seriously. Where if you don't do that, it's like, whatever. Yeah, no, you're probably right to an extent. I just think, you know, having your audio quality be outstanding and having your content quality be poor is still not a recipe for success. And you can have good equipment and it sounds shitty. We prove that sure. with, because I, I think we just <laughs> proved that we post our Walking Dead pods. Uh -huh. And yeah, the zombie drill, our very first proto podcast we did like four years ago. Mm. And we had the mixer that we had now. We actually had better microphones than we have now. But we, I think either fucked up which source we used because we didn't have the concept of sound checks. We weren't monitoring the audio. <laughs> exactly, process, right? Or, or the microphone because these things were directional, but they look like they're like a round barrel. So I had yeah. it faced away from me and it sounded like I was in a cave and you were sounding good. And it was ter and we were also in in a big room at cathedral ceiling, so just echoey like a fucking and talking into a brick fireplace. Like it, it was <laughs> terrible. So it's like the good equipment is not a guarantor of success. Yeah. So I guess one thing I would be adamant about is you're going to be tempted when you start chasing quality to do it incrementally. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I'm using my laptop's built-in mic, 
and it sucks. So I'm going to get the Logitech $70 gaming headset and it's going to make me sound amazing. Yeah, yeah. Your rate of return on that investment, I think, is inferior to just buying. Like once you decide to spiller, mm-hmm. go ahead and research what you can get to sound professional because it's not that much. No, couple couple hundred dollars and you'll sound fantastic on a two-person like setup. $300, you can sound very professional on a two-person set. Arguably for $150, yeah. you know, you get some sure SM48s. Yeah, like we've Those got are 40, 50 bucks a piece. A four-channel mixer. We don't need that many channels. No, you, you can, can get, get a smaller two-channel version of the, the one we've got. Indeed. For half the price. And then, you know, $150, you have two-person setup that sounds incredible what are some features of people because mixers are intimidating for folks i know it was uh, for me and it took us forever to get it set up correctly but yeah so mixers are fairly straightforward as long as you're not doing anything fancy just two mics into a computer that's pretty easy plug them in adjust your volume maybe turn on some compression if you really want it that's keyword though because a lot of mixers in the budget sure. line don't offer compression and people would spin 50, 60 bucks on a mixer when they could have spent 30 bucks more and get onboard compression. Yeah, you don't necessarily need the onboard compression, though. You can do it with filters in Audacity or GarageBand or whatever. So that's one of the things. If you want to go budget, you can. You and I kind of set a goal for is to have zero, as, as close to zero post-processing as we can get. Mm-hmm. And on, time. onboard compression helps you do that because you can be, you don't have to have the perfect mic discipline. You don't have to have the perfect mic placement. You can talk loud, you can talk quiet and compression just fixes all that shit live. Yeah. It's probably the single biggest, like it's just a, to me, it's a magic dial. The more you turn it up, the better you sound. But there's, to, a, to a degree, yeah. there's a lot of people that love, like there's people on our group that spend three, four hours per actual hour. Mm-hmm producing and listening they spend three or four times that on the post-production i used to yeah and it sounded worse than it does now it's interesting that's that's the weird thing i used to go through and take out all the uhs and ums that's fruitless because people i think want to know that you're having a real conversation not that you've rehearsed this thing and written it down and you're speaking perfectly at all times right i just want to listen to real people talking about real things right uh i used to yeah go in and try and fix conversational flow yeah, to a degree. I remember and, that you'd really like chop up and move entire pieces of dialogue to fit some kind of theme. But ultimately, it doesn't like I was spending 10 hours for a one hour for a half hour podcast sure. on editing. And it's that's overkill. But it's seductive because you can make like a God edit where it's just seamless. And sure. it's like this is 3% better than it was before. And no one can even tell I fucked with it. But that's the thing. No one can tell, right? That's, yeah. <laughs> they probably wouldn't, wouldn't notice if you hadn't done it either. Sure. But some people get off on that. So if you're the type of person that you think yeah. that sounds like a good idea, I'm going to spend 15, 20 minutes per podcast just looking at a filter process. I'm going to go through all that. I, I want the raw. I don't want compression on the track. I want it raw. Then maybe compression is not as important. Yeah. I'd still go the 30, 40 bucks to get compression and you can always turn that shit off. I, I would too, uh, but that's, you know, coming from a professional <laughs> podcast uh, angle. Uh, other than that, I don't know that I would even bother. If you want to do, the other thing is, uh, if you're doing a Skype podcast, you don't need a mixer. A mixer might help the process because you can you can actually adjust the person's level. And like a, on a nice four channel, you can get several different feeds into one and, you know, do things that way do some interesting things that way but you're not going to 
get the quality improvement because your limiting factor there is Skype. How sure. is your bandwidth? Yeah. How is the codec going to affect it? All that. Some people can sound really, really great. Some people are going to sound like dog shit. Mm-hmm. You know, are you calling out over a landline? That kind of thing. So, sure, there are ways around that if the person on the other end knows what they're doing. But yeah, if not for for a general Skype call, yeah, it's. What do you think about Yeti mics? Uh, I I don't know much about the Yeti. I have a blue Snowball mic. Mm-hmm. Uh. I see uh, whenever a newbie comes into the Facebook group and asks like, what mic should I get? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just starting a podcast. Everyone recommends the snowball. I do not like that. I stay as far away as possible from the snowball. I would say other newbies are recommending the snowball. Okay. Because it's, yeah. it's a, just a chain it's snake a very, oil reaction. It's a very easy thing to do. They're, they're cheap. They just plug right in and plug and play. You go, you plug it in, you record. It, it works, but it is so hard. The, the problem with it is that it's a condenser microphone. Mm-hmm. And condenser microphones are extraordinarily sensitive uh, as compared to dynamic mics, which is the thing we're using here. Right. Um, and the problem with that is it picks up everything. It will pick up crickets outside it will pick up your refrigerator refrigerator your air conditioner it will pick up all of that and you will sound terrible they do if you can get an 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 isolated studio (laughs) yes because we 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 had several different versions of the studio that we went through and i think our best sound ever was somewhere towards the tail end of the blue yonder run, uh, run where i took one of the rooms in my house we covered it all the walls with egg crate foam, which you can get, that's a great idea, uh, uh, honestly. You go to Walmart, you can get a full-size mattress with the egg crate foam. It'll cover most of one wall. You can tack it up with push pins, and it's 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. You get three of those things, and you've got most of your studio. And you can actually, it's interesting, when you hang that, you can actually hear the room getting quieter. Yeah. But we had a whole room, and we dedicated to that. And we it was shut just, off the AC. It was on the other side did. of the house from everything. We shut off the Upstairs. AC. Uh, we had to sh- close the door. It got a little swamp ass in there on occasion. But we tried to, like, you have to take extraordinary measures to make, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to make condenser mics sound good. They sound great when you do yeah. that. But right now, I can hear a computer running in that closet. Sure. This microphone is not in our studio. Right. Uh, this microphone is not probably not picking. Our door is open. This yeah. is probably not picking up the air conditioner or the heater. We usually uh, close the door. We um, do, but it honestly doesn't make a huge difference. It doesn't. Like yeah. dynamic mics are just not as sensitive. So you got to get them a little closer to your mouth. Right. You got to, you know, talk a little bit louder. But uh, you have to have mic discipline because if you don't, you, you, you definitely, there's like a, you know, 15, 20 degree arc where it works really well and then it really falls off. So. You yeah, have but to pay attention. Like, I just think no newbie is going to be able to get the conditions required to use a condenser microphone in an effective way. So don't recommend that. Please, God, stay away. If you're a newbie podcaster and you're thinking about getting into it, stay away from condenser microphones. Get a dynamic mic. Right. And you can also, all- condensers need phantom power, which you may not have on your mixer. Indeed. That's just another wrinkle in the soup that you don't need, right? Right, right. I mean, yeah, you doing full-blown condensers you got like three configuration options you got to make just to get it to work yeah and i was um funny enough i actually was helping someone a couple weeks ago on the group trying to get it's like oh i got the mixer and i got the mic and all this stuff now what do i do Mm. uh and it's like you know do you have this turned on do you have that turned on is the phantom power going you know what are the all the different levels it's like launching a fucking space shuttle yeah 
Um, what else are we talk? What else we should talk about podcasting? I don't know. You want to talk about the patent troll stuff? Let's talk about the patent troll stuff. Okay. So you want to give us a a, a brief rundown over what happened, what we're talking about? Sure. So there's a there's a company called Personal Audio, who I think that had a patent that claimed to cover podcasts. Um, basically, it's a serialized media. Yeah, it's a way of distributing over the internet. Actually, it's a way of listing almost. It's like if you list things as a serialized form with episode numbers and all that stuff, you and you distribute it over the internet automatically. Mm-hmm. that is covered under our patent. And so now they have gone after like CBS and NBC and Fox and Adam Carolla specifically, um, who's kind of at the crux of this as far as I guess the podcast community is concerned. Are we affected by this patent? Uh, and why or why not? Probably not. <laughs> um, I, I don't know because I think the patent is bullshit. Anyway. Obviously it's like, can Amazon patent a shopping cart? And, and, well, and no. or one click checkout. No, no, they fucking can't because it's it's a it's an action that you perform on the site. It's not a method for checking people out. Right? But they did indeed do that. And they tried okay. to enforce it. I don't even I don't, I don't know what happened with that, but yeah, I don't know either. Uh, maybe they won it, maybe they didn't. It, regardless, saying uh personal audio saying that they have this patent is ridiculous because there is much prior art mm. um they they patented this thing in 1996 i think yep. is when the patent was filed um there's or was it 2000 something like 2001 well, so, and there so it, is prior art to 96 it, i think in 96 they actually patented as a way to distribute digital magazines in like PDF okay. form. Yeah, yeah. Then in 2005 and 6, I think in 2006 when they start saw the rise of podcasts, there and and this is where they became a patent troll. They're like, "You know what? We'll ex- we'll file an extension to say, "Oh yeah, we covered these types of medias too." Mm. And they drew a lasso around video, around audio, around everything, and then they started filing uh not lawsuits. to cease and desist, but like damage lawsuits. Yeah. Yeah, they were claiming patent infringement. Uh-huh. Uh, I, it's just, it's silly to me. I, I think, you know, the, the concept of sending files via RSS has been around for much longer sure. than they have. Uh, and I don't know. I think it's funny that the, the patent is made specifically for magazines is what it mentions, but the company name is personal audio. Right. What does that have to do with magazines? You, personal you audio does this- not distribute any audio content. It's for they some don't. forly to sue people that are doing the work. Yeah. Which people so, quibble about whether they're technically a patent troll because the the, peop, the principles of the company did develop the patent. But, I mean, that's the thing. Like, a process patent, when you're not talking about smashing atoms and pressing metal and extruding plastics and, and flipping benzine rings, is worthless. Yeah. Like saying, I'm going to patent the process of clicking a button and letting someone check out automatically. Where's I mean that's not yeah. a set, and that's like saying can you can you patent the process of sending someone through the register at a store, or like no pat- you can't or patenting the process of launching a human in space and now I'm going to yeah. sue NASA and Russia not no you have you can patent an engine the device that sends them into space certainly yeah and you can patent a you know there's all kinds of different- like that's the thing patenting code yeah. is one thing like this is the actual code that runs this thing. If you want to change it, if if you want to do it your own way, you've got to change it substantially. Although free software militants think that that's not even like that's literally. I disagree. I mean, how how else do you compare it to 
how else do you apply patents to technology on the internet? Well, I mean, because they're saying, well, it's speech. It's just a language. It's like, well, motherfucker, every patent is. There's yeah. ling- English language to describe. You, you cannot then copy that phrase that is in the patent document and say it's free speech. And you could say that about... <laughs> atoms right oh I've, I've patterned these atoms in a certain way that produces an engine right it's a it's a language and right. it's free sp- fuck you right fuck you that you know what you're doing there you're twisting the definitions of but things. the patent office doesn't because none of those people i and i vision them all as like 95 year old men with like cotton coming out of their ears it, and yeah. they're just rubber stale computer whatever <laughs> you know well it may not be the patent so the people at the patent office probably don't understand any of this That's stuff. a problem. Uh, but not because they're too old. I think the judges might be too. Like a lot of the judges are probably that is, that is additional problem. of a generation that does not understand this stuff. Sure. Um, and so trying to get them to enforce or rule on laws that they don't understand is rough. So flash forward to Adam Carolla. Yeah, so Adam Carolla got sued by this patent troll. Um, and he set up, like at, at first... He set up a Kickstarter. Was it a Kickstarter? No, it was just a fundraiser on his site. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, to where he's asking people for like save save podcasting, save everything that is good about the universe. And he got his nice guy Adam Carolla voice where uh-huh. he, when he's talking about sick kids and and fun charities, like you know we're all just nice people <laughs> and we are trying to have a good thing on the internet, but these patent trolls. You know, the whole snarky, yeah, everybody's fucking asshole and I hate everyone and everyone's stupid but me. He kept that voice out of it. Yeah, which is smart, but sure. a little disingenuous. <laughs> Especially when we get to the punchline here. But yeah, yeah. He, he's raising money. So he's raising money. He raised like half a million dollars to fight. He got Earwolf on board. He got the Nerdist Industries on board. Uh-huh. Uh, and a whole bunch of podcasters from around the internet. Talking about it, encouraging their listeners to, to send them money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of thought about maybe getting you know sending a little heat their way at one point i thought i think so yeah and then we just you know something shiny bounced our path and we didn't do it well i i also like supporting the people who can actually get the job done and i don't know that corolla was that guy or is that guy i think the EFF also has a campaign. I think donating to them is far more donating important. to EFF would be a solid, and especially because they have actual lawsuits in the works saying right. this patent is invalid. We want to right. overturn it, and they're not trying to save their ass. They're actually yeah. trying to promote freedom on the internet. They're doing the thing that they say they are doing. Whereas Adam Carolla seems like, well, we're getting sued. We're gonna have to shut down our business if we don't do this. So let's look for money to help us fight it. So he raised almost half a million dollars Mm -hmm. to do this legal fee. And they went through, what, seven months of pretrial discovery and doing all this stuff. And it was about to go to trial. And Adam promised that he would not settle, that he's going to make sure this goes to trial. Because that's the thing. If you can go to trial and the judge strikes it down, they can never do that again. Yeah. And then and he said, "I'm not going. To, I am not going to settle." Mm-hmm. Three weeks before the trial, he settles, and there is a 45 or 90 day gag order where he cannot talk about it. And another key point being, he settled without prejudice, which is a massive problem. So explain that for him. It's a, it's a huge problem. No, for no, him. no, no. Actually, what happened is that he let he let personal audio dismiss the case without prejudice. Yeah. So can, do you know the difference in dismissing without and dismissing with prejudice? I do. Without prejudice means they can basically come back and sue him again at any time. And anyone else involved in the lawsuit. Yeah. 
Now, so that that to me is the dumbest concept of all. Yeah. For Adam Carolla directly. Why would he want to go through all of this shit again, potentially in the future, when right now he has a chance to settle this? Because personal audio, it wasn't like, oh yeah, you're right. This isn't an infringing patent. They're basically said, oh, we thought you guys were making way more money in podcasting. Yeah. That's podcasting's very little secret. There is hardly any money to be made. If personal audio really wanted to be dicks, uh-huh. they turn around the next day and they refile the suit against him. Yeah, but it's expensive. But the other thing is it's asymmetrically expensive. It, yes, it's more expensive for Adam Carolla than... Like by a factor audio. of 10, because yeah. the presumption is you infran- infringe on the patent, you have to prove your innocence. It's not that yeah. this person's an asshole and then, you know, being a dick. Mm-hmm. So we finally, last week, Adam gets on his podcast or someone's podcast and he's talking about it. And he's like, you know what? It would cost us probably another million dollars to go ahead with the lawsuit. And mm-hmm. they said they, they uh, you know, pinky promised that they wouldn't sue, even though they can. Mm-hmm. They pinky promised they wouldn't sue us or any of the other people that were named as like, you know, friends uh, of, of us in the court. So the Nerdist and all those guys did not save the Internet, did not do shit. They basically mm-hmm. burnt up seven hundred thousand dollars to no real end. I mean, I guess the end is, you know, personal audio did some discovery of their own, found out that Corolla was not making much money. If he is, in fact, the biggest podcaster on the internet, that means everyone else is making less money, so why go after anyone? So then CB, they sued CBS successfully, or actually, mm-hmm. they I think they settled, and, and the in the, they, CBS had to pay $1.8 million. No, 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 so that's getting appealed. Oh, because I thought there CBS... There was a verdict, I thought. Okay, because I thought CBS was overjoyed that they only had to pay $1.8 because... For CBS, that's like nothing. That's I don't that's filming five so. minutes of two and a half men. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, really? That's we can Charlie we can, Sheen's Coke budget. We can day. make this go away and make money forever on the internet for one point eight. Where's my checkbook? Where's yeah. where's my gold pin? Yeah. But all of us, little to medium size, I feel like this personal audio people, they're just sitting and waiting for us to fatten up. Sure, like they're waiting for us to become and They're radio. like, oh, when when are you going to get profitable? When are you going to oh, you still got some meat on them bones? And then they swoop up. It's bullshit. Ugh. Yeah, right? <laughs> I can still feel your ribs. We'll, wait, we'll come back in another couple years. Yeah. We'll get you hooked up to the flog raw machine. <laughs> the big problem I also have is, because I don't, I don't know, the result seemed like it was okay. They made these guys go away. Adam Carolla is happy. Most of the big podcasting people have hailed it as at least a partial victory or a, a first time someone's actually done anything but roll over. Yeah. Um, I just have a problem with the fact that he crowdsourced almost half a million dollars and then just unilaterally made the decision to drop it. And he raised the money saying that I will be your champion. Yeah. You know, it's like Adam Carolla comes to me and says, Hey, Aaron, uh, I want to go buy a Ferrari. Uh, it's going to be $300,000 and you know, you and I can split it. It's a great deal for that type of Ferrari. And I'm like, sure, Adam. Yeah, go ahead. Let's do that. And I give him the money. He goes to the auction, doesn't get the Ferrari, doesn't call me, decides, fuck it, I want wheels. He brings home a Taurus. Uh, you know, it's like... Because the Ferrari was going to cost 800000 Yeah, like he could have called me. I mean, why not at least try another round of fundraising? Like, That's a good point. We're yeah. burning through $100,000 a month, but we are doing it. We're taking these to the, we're making these people uncomfortable. Let's, you know, can you meet me halfway? Can I do others? But he just fucking rolled. 
and yeah didn't and again it's like and it was shocking anyone either it was shocking because it was like all set to go to court and then there's a settlement which mm-hmm. he said he wouldn't do and people are like well well let's wait till he hears to say well there's a gag order i don't know just that part of it didn't sit right with me sure i i don't like it either it doesn't actually accomplish anything at this sure. point other than to show them that there's not much money in podcasting at the moment right but, but like you said as soon as there is they're coming back at them and now they're you know they're after fox they're after nbc where there is money sure um i hope that one of those guys fights them they're not and going wins to it for everyone because it's always that's the other problem with this patent thing it's always 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 easier to just settle here's the thing i could he sue netflix netflix's business model is that listing Possibly. and delivering content in an episodic serialized fashion I mean, Netflix is, if in fact this patent is valid, Netflix is probably the biggest infringer of that patent. So if he goes, if he takes this to its logical conclusion, personal audio I'm, I'm talking about, not he, them, um, if they're going up against Netflix and when your entire business model is at stake, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're probably going to fight. Netflix would fight. I think it's right for NBC or Fox to fight if they want to get into the online game because they don't want that hanging over their head, right? Sure. Yeah, I just thought it was a big bummer. But the and, EFF is where my hopes really rest because right. I know that they actually want to fix this thing for the right reasons. Uh, they're they have no investment in it whatsoever. Like right. as far as they they don't have any skin in the game, and yet they're willing to go in there and say this is not right. Let's fix it for the principle of it. Yeah, yeah, and that to me. Uh, is the the best reason for them to be doing what they're doing. Right on. So if I was going to donate, I'd donate to the EFF. There's a page for it somewhere. Uh, you probably just search EF. EFF.org. Sure, yeah. But it's uh, when I tried to find the podcasting thing, it was buried because oh, it's from a very long time ago. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. But, you know, basically EFF does a lot of stuff for a lot of, I mean, they're the ones that uh, fight back against um, police encroachment. Yeah. You know, they're the ones, you know, that some of them are at the forefront of fighting, like, uh, the, the fact that the cops felt like they had the right to search your cell phone mm-hmm. if you are arrested for any reason. And they're the ones that fought, you know, they, they, a lot of times uh, they defend whistleblowers. Uh, they defend, there's a lot of things. Like, I remember when DVDs first got cracked, the encryption was incredibly weak and incredibly simple. And the... Yeah. Uh, DVD consortium started suing and trying to put people in jail that were disseminating this information about how far their pants were around their ankles and the EFF stepped up and defended them. Good. So they do a lot of, they do a lot of good work and they've had a lot of successes, but you know, this shit is expensive uh, to litigate. And that's the thing. The EFF could take that 500 grand that Adam Carolla made Mm -hmm. and do a hell of a lot more with it than he did. A hell of a lot more because their campaign yeah, I'm, to do I, this podcasting thing only got like $60,000 and they're pursuing, they're still sure. pursuing it. And, I, and I'm guessing the Adam Carolla's lawyers aren't working out of any sense of freedom or no. it was all about money to covering his ass and, you know, spending money and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Like he said, he had like 19 lawyers on it at a time. What yeah. the fuck do you need 19 lawyers yeah. on, on figuring out if there's prior art? for podcasting right come Uh, on i could do that in on the wayback machine in 10 minutes it does seem like the whole campaign was wrong-headed like to me it seems like when you're defending something like that your best bet is to kind of 
you know, not be aggressive, but kind of sit back and be the amorphous blob. Like, you know, you, you handle requests for information, you get your own stuff. Oh, I can what, do that. But, but why are they just spending literally thousands of man hours doing stuff? Like all that work is being done, but what the hell are they doing with it? I don't, I don't know. So yeah, that was a little minor disappointment. Uh, anything else we want to talk about? I don't know. You've been talking about this NFL thing. You want to talk about that at all? <laughs> Do you want to talk about the NFL thing? Because it's like I'm super curious how it plays out eventually. I, uh, let's I'm not talk talking, about it for Bill Simmons. Yes, I, that's what I meant. Not okay. the actual. I don't care about Ray Rice. And this is something that, like, because you know, a lot of people. Every time we get uh, a Q and A, people ask us, like, you know, if you'd have the opportunity to do a professional podcast like for HBO what do you think we're doing AMC no, I mean like a professional <laughs> oh, podcast where we actually make money on it yeah okay uh you know and and we'll, so maybe we'll talk about that at the end too mm-hmm. and we've always said yeah that'd be really cool like I would love to do a better job than Chris Hardwick does but there are caveats the caveats because I don't think that Chris Hardwick is an idiot and when sure. he speaks his mind, he usually comes across like I saw him on Real Time with Bill Meyer. Yeah. Very smart guy. Uh, I've yeah. heard whenever once in a while he'll get the right guest on the Nerdist and he'll stop his fucking rabid fanboy act for one second mm. and start talking about business or technology. And you can tell that he's got some real passion, but he covers it all up with the, hey, hey I'm Chris Hardwick and I'm an Uber nerd. And oh my God, it's, it's like, duh. So. The thing is, he, he's a game show host. He's a game at sh- his core. He is a comedian and game show host. What do you expect? And that's what AMC wants. Like if AMC yeah, yeah. had us come on to do Talking Mad, uh-huh. we couldn't swear, which is kind of a problem. We couldn't ever say anything bad about the show. That's the problem. And we'd have to steer that's guests away from critical, and we'd be pressured to have guests that don't give a shit about the show. They're on there to promote stuff. Yeah, what do I need the one of the dudes from Community on my show talking about The Walking Dead? There's a billion cast members and production crew working on The Walking Dead who would be infinitely more interesting to talk to. We might get to read a tweet or two. We're certainly not going to get three or four minutes to read a very insightful take from a listener yeah. or from a watcher that has a very valid point, has done a lot of research. It's it's almost offensive what they're doing to you know add fan content to this thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't and honestly, um, I don't know that HBO would be a lot better. Because HBO on their the, their public side has standards that they do not reply to their creative side. And it's like, at what point would it be worth selling out? Now, I'm not saying I don't have my price. It's $10 million in the, the right chic. 50. Um, oh, I was trying to see, I was trying to lower your price. <laughs> All the chics have been calling me saying that 50 million. It's, it's a little too much. So like, so Bill Simmons, perfect example. Uh, he's prob- the, by far the most popular personality on ESPN. Uh, he's on the broadcast. He talks about basketball. He's got a New York selling, two times New York selling best time, uh, best New York Times exactly. bestseller author. Yeah. Uh, he founded Grantland, which is this long form news magazine think piece on sports and pop culture that I quite admire and enjoy. Oh, Grantland is a is not the network. It's just a thing, like what on the network. Mean? No, Grantland. Grantland is its own site but it's owned by ESPN Disney. Okay, but you said Grandland was like a long form column. Oh, well, I'm no, it's a collection of that. It's like it's like oh, a it's like okay. a it's like yeah, a um a news article. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like, like Playboy a, without the dirty pictures. 
Sure. That's the kind of content there or of New York variety. Yeah. Lots of stuff like that. Okay. And just, um, and, and it's not about Buzzfeed style link bait and things like that. It's all about yeah. getting, you know, 10, 20,000 word pieces uh, and long form journalism and stuff like that. So yeah. Um, Bill Simmons, you know, the NFL has been in a lot of trouble lately. Uh, they've had a, <laughs> a, a big domestic violence case, several domestic violence cases blow up in their face. And Roger Goodell and NFL owners look like pieces of shit in it. And two and a half weeks ago, Bill Simmons on his podcast, that that very popular podcast, he gets something like a million downloads a month on each one of these things. He's two orders of magnitude bigger than us, at least. Uh, He gets on his podcast and he just speaks his mind. He said, I watched Roger Goodell's news article or his news, his press conference. And I don't believe him when he says, I didn't see the tape of this NFL player punching his wife out. I don't believe him. I think it's fucking bullshit. That man is a liar. And he said, and then he said, this was probably what really got him in trouble. He said, you know, and if I hear, if I get an email from someone saying that I'm in trouble because I called Roger Goodell a liar, on my own podcast, I don't even want to hear it. You leave me alone. I get to call this guy a liar on my podcast. Two days later, he's suspended for three weeks. <laughs> from now, from the network that he started. Yeah. Earlier, this is on his podcast. Earlier, uh, a personality, Stephen A. Smith, on a very popular television show, in, you know, you can quibble about what he really said versus what he said. But in my interpretation, was he was asking women to do their part not to provoke men to violence that they have to do their part yeah. to not provoke men to violence. He got suspended for one week. You call the fucking NFL commissioner a liar, which I personally believe. I don't believe this guy didn't see the tape or if he did, he's willfully like this guy can't fucking get his hands on a tape that I thought it came out that he actually did see the tape. Well, ESPN reported that there's a lot of evidence that says that the exec, that there's a, there's at least one police officer said, no, I gave them the tape. I talked to an executive at NFL and they said they saw it and it was awful. Okay. But we don't know the name of the police officer. We don't know the name of the executive. So there's a little bit, but no, I, I, as a, as a man looking at this in the court of public opinion, I think that their liar status is somewhere dangling above electric uh, electric wire and completely pants on fire okay that's what i think their lying status is and but bill simmons this very powerful guy in his network got smacked down and suspended for three weeks for speaking his mind and and i'm pissed because i'm a huge fan and it's in the middle of football season and i'm not getting his nfl picks podcast and i'm not getting his nfl friday uh, articles and it sucks. And there's, yeah. you know, hundreds of thousands of people posted hashtag free Simmons people uh, on his own network came to his defense. And it doesn't matter because ESPN Disney's like, no, we don't want this guy getting out of control. We don't want him pissing off the league that we're paying $15 billion for five years of coverage. We don't want to lose Monday night football. Yeah, that's too much money at stake. And that's bullshit. And I never, ever want to be in that position. Yeah. Like, that's that's the kind of position being uh beholden to amc or hbo or or any of the anything outside of just our own whims and it'd be one thing terrible for us it'd be one thing to get suspended from like talking mad but Mm. to be told that i cannot get on twitter I cannot get on my personal website i can't get on instagram i can't get on another podcast that oh, I don't even know what the hell I would do. So uh, I, I feel like it's really crystallized in my mind 
that we always, always, always want to stay independent. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I'd rather that's not, the only way ahead for us. I'd rather not podcast than podcast with a gun to my head. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's also, it casts a pretty bad light on everything else he does at this point because how, how do we know that he's giving us his true opinion on things? Anymore? Sure. Like if all of a sudden, so what would happen if we were doing a watching dead podcast that was sponsored by AMC? And this is a yeah. little bit of our Patreon video as well. Uh, it would sound different, but if we ever did go off the rails and we said something that they didn't like, and we got suspended for three weeks, we come back. We don't say anything about it because we can't. Right. Now, do you trust that we're still giving you our honest opinion on things? Or do sure. you think that that experience has changed us and our commentary? Sure. I, I don't know how it wouldn't. Like, Bill Simmons has got to be afraid now of being potentially fired from his own network. Right. Based on things that he says. So he's not going to come back and be and even go after them more aggressively no. or even go after them as aggressively as he did. He's going to tone it down. And that's a he's problem. Gonna bite, I think he's going to bide his time until it's up and then he's going to jump ship and form he the should. Bill Simmons network he should. and yeah. be wildly successful. And I hope he does. Um, but I've heard from small time podcasters that had, that's one of the reasons, you know, people say, why don't you have stars on your show? Uh, there's several reasons. Number one, because you have to talk to agents and you have to horse trade and you have to do stuff. And then in my experience, you don't get to just ask them whatever you want. You have to play by a certain amount of rules or you will never get those interviews again. And the more yeah. that becomes part of your show, the more these people have power over you. And yeah. it would like, you know, it'd be a, a huge amount of time, fun to talk with Vince Gilligan and talk about Breaking Bad and, you know, and we're going to be obviously going out to the Breaking Bad Fest and, and talking with some stars and, and cast members. And we have nothing but glowing things to say about these people because we fucking love the show. That's sure. That's a key thing. Too. And everything. <laughs> it's all good until things aren't. And then I've heard from people say that I just don't feel comfortable after I've had these pleasant conversations with people to really savage them because they're our friends. And I, yeah, that's, perfect. I understand that's perfectly understandable. I would have that same pressure too. That's kind of one of the reasons why we kind of want to aggressively stay on the outside because what sure. fun is it to not be able to say and speak and to put your mind without have to worry about hurt people's hurting people's feelings. It's not even that, right? That just, that undercuts the stuff that we're actually doing. Hmm. Like that undercuts our podcast and that undercuts, uh, even if our audience doesn't notice it, right, it does them a disservice and because the, they're not getting honest opinions anymore. And that's the thing is like, I don't want to be like, I'm not, I don't see myself as a critic, a professional yeah, critic. I don't either. Yeah. I see myself as a fan mm -hmm. and I, some of the things that fans do is bitch about stuff that annoys them. Sure. You really can't. It's interesting because Seppenwall does get interviews of people regardless of whether he cares about their shit. Like he yeah. savaged, and I'm talking about that in the TV podcast, savages the homeland, uh, savages a lot of stuff goes on the bridge. He still gets this thing because there's a certain point where you get big enough where the power swings back the other way. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I need this guy. And I might not need him for this show because he's fucking killing me. But when I go back to do my next show, I don't want this guy carrying a personal vendetta against me because I need his ears and I need his eyeballs. So if you get powerful or respect enough to where you can do that. Yeah, that's that's an interesting I mean, two-way street, I guess. Like but, Roger Ebert, think about how many public spats 
directors got in with yeah. him and they never yeah. went in that guy's favor <laughs> ever no they're always in ebert's favor because a ebert was kind of smarter than a lot of people sure. but, but also yeah he had the clout and the, that, that funny thing is is ebert would never abuse that if you made a good movie even if he fucking hated you mm-hmm. he would still tell you that's a good movie yeah this is why i go back to giant bomb so often mm-hmm. when i'm when i'm talking about like kind of what i want and why you go back to penny arcade right frankly why why those two kind of stand out as the the things to emulate for us because they don't run into those traps sure they keep themselves independent they give their honest opinion and i can tell that it's their honest opinion you don't agree with it all the time but you sure. would never say oh you're a fucking shill jeff and and i know that when they say something is bad i know why they're saying it yeah and i know that and I know if I would agree with them. Yeah. Um, and so like when they say, oh, you shouldn't buy Destiny, for instance. Right. I say, yes, you're absolutely right because I know what type of gamer you are. I know that you're giving me a, your honest opinion on it. Whereas if they were to come in, like if they had had an ad on their podcast for Destiny and then they came in and they glossed over some of the things that I had heard about the internet complaining about. Right. I would have been like, these guys aren't telling me what they really think. Sure. They're getting paid not to. I sometimes worry since I'm not, you know, we're, we're not professional critics, like what people think when I'm very critical of the walking dead. And yet I do a podcast on like true or true blood. And I'm starting one about American horror. Yeah. That even on their best day really isn't in walking dead's league or 24 or 24. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, I, I kind of hope that if you listen to those podcasts, you can tell there's a difference in the series. And the, the reason I get pissed at Walking Dead is because it disappoints me. Yeah. It tries to be something that it's some, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't accomplish the objectives that I think it's trying to do. Hmm. Whereas, like, True Blood, well, and honestly, it did a really shitty job last season. But there's, you know, it's, it's trying to do something different. And I kind of graded on a curve. I thought Ebert yeah, was yeah. really good at that, too. Like you give a four stars to a movie like Fast and Furious Six, mm-hmm. and give four stars to Godfather, but no one would think he's trying to say that Fast and Furious is better. That he's saying for a brainless action flick, yeah, this is the best a brainless action fit can, can flick can be. Yeah, he rates it within the genre, and I, I think that is why we give Walking Dead so much shit is because it is firmly trying to be a an HBO quality drama. It's, but it's falling short of that in the drama department. The action department is great sometimes. No, no they advertise like, it in the same breath as Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Yeah, and I feel like they've been going away from that a little bit, and this is becoming more of uh, an action show as it's progressed. Which I think which is, is a great fine. Idea. Yeah, they just need to like season one didn't do it any didn't do the following seasons any service mm-hmm. by pretending to be something it wasn't going to continue to be well but they didn't know that i, I know mean, yeah that's one thing i forgot to mention in our preview show mm-hmm. is that this is the first year that they have had uh th- this is the first time that there's been three consecutive seasons starting with the same showrunner uh-huh. that's never happened in walking dead history before yeah that that is incredible so that is one reason to be optimistic. But yeah, I mean, they didn't, I don't think Frank Darabont wanted it to be the show that it became. I don't know Certainly. that Glenn, Glenn Mazzara, I don't think even cared. Like he was just a fucking babysitter. It wasn't his baby. He wasn't passionate about the project. He was cashing checks. Scott Gimple, I think does care. Uh, um, but we'll see, you know, we're getting, yeah. we're getting a little TV casty. We are, we are, but uh, 
I, I don't know what else to say about being independent. Being independent equals good, and being good a shill e- good equals, equals bad, what we want to do. Although it could also equal rich, which has its charms. Uh, it does, but only if you're willing to get out of the game, and I don't want to get out of the game. Yeah. I mean, I, so would you do an AMC show if, if in the clause you could also continue to do your own show? They wouldn't allow that. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking if, too. if they were censoring my voice on their official show, they want to censor it everywhere. Right. They don't want host of host of Talking Dead comes out as hating the show. Yeah. yeah. On his own podcast. Yeah, that would just completely destroy what they're trying to do. Yeah. Then, like I said, I'm I'm completely fine with that. They would never do that. I I think there probably is a number where I would say, okay, I'm gonna do this show for two years, and then I'm gonna come back. I'm going to be done with that. I'm going to come back and I'm going to speak my own voice again. Right. Now that I have the actual funding to do it the way that I want to do it. Sure. I don't have to rely on fuck you money. Yeah. That number exists, but it's so far outside of what anybody would offer me to do this thing that it will never happen. Yeah. It's interesting because I think Bill Simmons is an interesting case. I reference him a lot too. And you know, because, because we learn a lot from the people we admire Mm-hmm. And we learn how not to do things too. There's sure. several important of those lessons I've taken away from Penny Arcade. But he did a, this weird blended path where he had a unique voice and he accomplishes probably 90% plus of what he intends to do within the confines of ESPN. And he's gotten rich and powerful doing so to the point where now he can probably say, fuck you, I'm going to go do my own thing. I just, I'm amazed at how well he's been able to do that. So you're saying he doesn't need ESPN, Disney? No, what I'm saying is he was able to, like, somehow his voice and being critical and being a fan's fan and and doing crazy pop culture allusions and using salty language and never has been done before in the history of sports writing. And he's gotten rich and powerful doing that within a corporate framework that's enabled him to do again, but only to a certain point. Again, there is he a couldn't line drop he the f bomb. He couldn't do this stuff, but there was. But he's he. I think he's fine with that because he's making like four or five million dollars a year. Plus, he's got he's the executive producer of the ESPN's very successful Thirty for Thirty. He's got the Grantland thing going. Fantastic series. Like I wish there was a. But I for whatever reason, entertainment doesn't work that way. Like you, we, I don't think we could do that within an entertainment network framework. Well, I mean, these big companies want the alternative voice, right? They want to be all things to all people. So if, if you are interested in sports in any capacity, you want to come to ESPN because they've got content. They're the world leader. Sure. But that only works to a certain point. Mm -hmm. Like once you tell, once you call the head of the NFL a liar, that's where we draw the line. And that's where we cut you off from the thing that you're building. You know what I'd love to do and I think that would be a good fit for us if we're just, you know, dreaming? Like, imagine, let me follow this to the conclusion. Imagine our season three finale podcast <laughs> as a AMC-sponsored show. We did that. That's the Patreon pitch video. It is. It is. Uh, I don't have to imagine it. It's, it, we we can't even do that podcast. Like, we can't do that show because... I don't know about you. I wouldn't be able to get on the air and say I enjoyed this stuff. No. I, I literally would not be able to get up and lie to people like that. Right. So I like that moment comes. I don't know what I do. I quit my job or something and do hope you that think, I can do something else. 
so so what if like HBO would give us a half hour after True Detective, and they say we have no editorial okay concerns at all. Yeah, you can swear. I will you do can that. say you hated the episode. You can say you're concerned with the episode. You can say someone did a terrible job. I I feel like that I that, want that might, in writing, but they wouldn't. <laughs> they they would also have some things like you know. I, I wonder if that would be like a ninety percent show. Like we couldn't probably talk about other networks, and we probably that doesn't change our commentary on the show though. So, and there's a lot of things we couldn't say that we wouldn't say anyway. I mean, obviously, we couldn't get there and do sexual and gender slurs and racial slurs. We would and, never do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying it's like, I'm sure there would be some conditions. Even cursing. I Like, I don't need to curse when I, I podcast. Man, I, you really? Yeah. Try to go. I, I challenge you to go a week without. I I certainly could. I went I went 18 years without doing it when I was a kid, man. Uh, that's the thing. Like once that seal broke, it's like yeah. you're at a bar and you like drink six beers and it's like, oh, I got to go piss. And I got to piss after every one because he broke the seal. <laughs> seal has been Maybe broken so. on my self-expression. But I think I could fucking go without cursing. <laughs> uh, well, maybe. But we'll like see. that wouldn't be a deal breaker because anything that as long as they don't have editorial control over what I'm going to say about the show, I'm probably okay with it. Like, I don't need to talk about other networks to tell you what I think about this show. No, no, I, I agree. I don't need to curse to tell you what I think That's about That's what I'm saying. Show. I think that I could live within something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Doing a podcast for HBO where you can't swear and do all that stuff, I, you know, we did it for The Leftovers. I don't know that I'd do it again. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they didn't give us any kind of editorial stipulations at all on but the podcast. they did they did and we're we don't, i mean we can talk about this because yeah. there's no gag order i mean sure. i would hate to piss the guy off just because oh i don't think nice it'll guy. piss him off but they did vet our podcast through lawyers yeah before they put on the air we couldn't use theme music which i consider i think is obviously fair use um no, you don't want you no, don't no, want to infringe it. on and copyrights we were we were process. given the guideline of maybe we could say an f word but certainly not several Mm. yeah they and, said not excessive cursing yeah and and the couple i mean that's 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 the other thing so it's like i don't know i mean i, I don't know that i would enjoy doing that it's not how it's not me it's not how i talk yeah i probably wouldn't enjoy it as much there are uh, some listeners because i get at least once a season on a show someone said i love your show i wish you didn't curse so much sure and i don't know what to tell them because that's how i talk yeah that's just who we are uh, i i don't know i draw a very a very solid line being censored as far as my opinion and being censored as far as the actual words I use. Hmm. I don't care so much about saying that I fucking hated something versus I hated something. No, I mean, I, in principle, I see, I just, I guess I find it harder than you because I remember a couple of times we've resolved to, you know, before we, <laughs> we actually done any of the, the shows we've done, we've resolved to like, you know, maybe we shouldn't swear because it's hard to, it's harder and this is true. It's harder to have an explicit cast on iTunes than a non-explicit cast. Um, but it just, you know, I never was able to do it. Like, in fact, I dropped a couple F-bombs in a fucking HBO podcast. We had to go back and remove. Yep. So <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. I, I can, I can, I can keep it control in public and I can keep control around my son. But when I'm just talking to you, it doesn't feel right. The beers right. probably don't. Yeah, the don't whiskey help. and the beers. <laughs> uh, I think that's a, that feels like a good lunch. Yeah, with no food. So if you guys, I've, I'm drinking banana bread here, uh, 8% ABV. If you guys would like to hear us talk about a particular topic, if you'd like to give us feedback, why don't we use the TV 
uh, email tv at baldmove.com. If you'd like to see us, uh, you know, uh, give us some feedback on this because we'd like to know how you're do- how we're doing. I kind of think in my mind that the way we're going to do this is we'll have like a 15 or 20 minute thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully that'll give people enough time to join our live feed and then people can contribute to to the uh uh you know the mod there, there's a QA function where you can submit comments and questions and we can answer them on air. That'd be pretty cool. But uh I think you have to enable it before you go live. Might be. This is all new to us and we got some fancy stuff coming as far as the cameras and yeah, this. I want to do this is a kind of a bad angle because we're looking at each other with the cameras. Yeah. You you're just off on the you just stay on your side of the glass, god damn it. Um but we're, we're going to have uh, some multiple camera angles. we got some cool stuff coming. We just have to figure it out technically. So yep. thank you so much for supporting us. Uh, you are the reason we can remain independent and the reason that we are able to be successful at that. Very much appreciate everybody uh, that's supporting us on Patreon. Yeah. And uh, we've got uh, can't some, thank you enough. some other interesting things to come on Patreon as well. Sure. Stay tuned. All right. See you.